Welcome to the Hip Hop Minded Professional. With me, Joshua Rogers as the Master of Ceremonies. If you're interested in knowing how rapping, DJing, breaking, graffiti, and the hip hop culture can positively influence your mindset, then you are in the right place. On this podcast, I speak to various professionals with a background in hip hop and go into how this background influenced their mindset and careers. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome uh, back to the podcast. And today I'm talking with... You are talking with Devin James. And what's up, brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Devin? I'm good, man. I'm good. Chilling. Chilling. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, thanks Thanksgiving. You had a you had a good a snack giving that uh, you're you're still recuperating from at the moment. <laughs> yeah, snacks giving. Snacks so, giving. Snacks giving is like <clears throat> everybody brings snacks, and then uh, due to the fact that um, usually my mom's cooking a turkey and preparing the dinner and that sometimes when you're in that mode like you you don't get to experience everybody like all the people all the family that's there because you're you know you're coming in and out and so we ended up just saying okay we're gonna bring a bunch of snacks half the time we get full off the snacks anyway and so then we ended up just different waves of snacks as different people came in and then everybody got full in the end. No real cleanup, no real anything like that. And everybody got to participate and have more fun as a unit. Ah, exactly. So um, you guys just went with the flow of the day. And speaking of the flow of the day, tell the people, what is it that you do, actually? Well, let's see here. <laughs> I... As part of the flow, I do flow therapy. Now, flow therapy is what's deemed as it's kind of like an alternative form of narrative therapy where you take your troubles, you take your challenges, you take anything like that, and you separate it from yourself. And then you kind of like you kind of like go like this. It's like, here's your problem, and you got it in your hand, and you go, okay, I'm going to narrate this problem right here and I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to tell stories about it and I'm going to tell exactly like what I, what it is about it and it's kind of like it's kind of like a still life drawing of your challenges with words mm-hmm. and then you, you're able to say and you're able to explain and sometimes in doing that you're able to kind of figure out other stuff about this issue that's going on that you didn't really know about it when it was still in here. Yeah, yeah. So that's one aspect of the flow. That's the heavy stuff. Then there's ad flow where I'm talking about different products. So there was somebody that approached me like for example on LinkedIn. Someone approached me with this product called Rip Pack, which is like this. It's like this powdery stuff inside a package. And you use it if you're out and you don't have access to your toothbrush 
or any kind of like dental hygiene. Yeah. You pop it in your mouth, you swish it for like 30 seconds, you spit it out, and then it's basically like clean mouth right there. So I did an ad flow about that. Ah, all right, all right, all right, all right. And um, besides, um, besides the flowing, what, what, uh, how, how, what else do you do? So the day job is in accounting. It's, uh, it's revenue audit. It's accounts payable. It's completely, completely opposite of what the right brain flow is. Yeah. But it's still like there's still a part of me that that has this left brain side that you can even use in the flow to make it very exact to very you you know what I'm saying because sometimes music is still patterns even even cadence as you flow is still patterns so yeah. that left brain is still in, enacted you know what i mean yeah 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 and um how 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 did you get into hip-hop hip-hop <clears throat> oh man <laughs> so the story with hip-hop goes i was i was 19 years old and i had been like a a rock dude yeah like most of my life alternative rock whatever have you and then um started getting into hip-hop like i was in the dorms and i had friends <clears throat> who were listening to hip-hop and i had written poetry when i was like 17 years old and so i'm like wait this is like this is poetry this is a form of poetry right here and so then i started listening to him i started writing and i would listen to everybody like I listened to Outkast. I listened to people like People Under the Stairs, Tech Nine, like uh, The Far Side. Like I took it all in, atmosphere, like everything I could get my hands on. I just listened to it all, and I would kind of like write as I as I listened to them. So it's like if I heard like a, a Deltron yeah. verse, then I would kind of like take what I heard and start being like, oh, okay, like I'll kind of start writing in, in a Deltron kind of way. Or like if I heard big boy or Andre rap, then I'm like, all right, I'm going to start kind of like writing like that. So then it's like, I was getting my words, <clears throat> but then I was also getting like, okay, how, how are these different flows coming in? Like, oh man, I heard that. Like I heard tech nine and I'm like, oh, whoa. Like now we've got this, like, motor gun like chopper type vibe and i'm like oh man i wonder how i could do that and so then it was just a full year of writing and then i head off to the evergreen state college yeah i was there for six months but in that time i i met ben Haggerty, aka macklemore have you ever heard of macklemore Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Okay. That's sarcasm. 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 <laughs> yeah, I know Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at your face. I was like, oh, dude, he's never heard of Macklemore. <laughs> so, so I hook up with Ben, and uh, I record my first eight-song EP in his apartment in Olympia, Washington, while we were going to the Evergreen State College. Yeah, yeah. So I he had like I bought like half the beats from him, 
half from this dude named James Searle. And the eight-song EP was kind of like, I mean, I was 20 years old, dude. Like, I still, I'll still go back to those songs, and I'm like, whew. Most of it is like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I didn't like most of it, but there was one song out of like eight songs. It was called My Baby. That was the one I remember that me and Ben spent the most time on. Yeah, yeah. And he like he had kind of taught me about like, all right, so we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. He got his girl at that point, who was Nunu Jenkins, but she now goes by Evan Roman, mm-hmm. and she was even like singing in the background, dude. And like it, it's like it was a track. It wasn't just like spit, and then like a hook. It was actual like it was a track, man. It was. That was one of the best ones. I still listen to that these days, and I'm like, that's a, still a good track, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then uh, came back, and I was rapping with these other guys. We were called the Nightwalkers. We did that all the way through college, man. Went down to L.A. when I was 24 to study recording arts. Yeah, yeah. And kind of left the whole hip-hop element behind. Like, I wasn't writing, but I was making beats. So we would still, me and my buddy Nate would still rap, but I was doing a lot of the beat making, and then he was putting songs together. Came back, and then, um, let's see. Oh, came back from L.A., and then during that time, I had become like a full-blown, basically alcoholic. Like I was, it was, it was bad, man. So I came back, and I came back July of 2011. Mm-hmm. By November of 2011, it was it was to the point where I was, I mean, like I would be drinking five tall boys coming back from getting off of work. Five tall boys, which is the equivalent of 10, 12 ounce beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Per day. And then I would get up and I would steal my mom's beer. I would then, if I, if I still needed that extra something, I would steal whiskey from my stepdad, like pour from his bottle into a glass. That went on. And then suddenly there was a day where they caught me dead to rights. I was about to go to work and they're like, my mom's like, hey, you've been stealing. Have you been taking my beers? And I was like, yep. My dad was like, yeah, you've been, have you been stealing? Like, have you been drinking my whiskey without even asking? I was like, yep. So then I was right there. Boom. Like everything just like, I don't know, man. Like I just felt terrible. Went to work and I come home. And my mom's sitting there in the in the bathroom. She's getting ready to to go to lunch with a friend. And she goes, she didn't even yell. She didn't even get mad. But she looked me straight into my soul. You can you know how like moms can look straight into your soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so she looked into my soul, and she said words that I will never forget to this day. She says, "You'll never get what you want if you can't get this controlled." So that stuck. I had my five tall boys right that morning. I went down to my room 
and I drank four of them. I left this last can, right? Left it in the closet. And then I was like, I, I don't want that to have power over me. So yeah. I'm going to have power over it from that day forward. After that, I didn't drink. But then the element of flow therapy comes in where I start going into myself introspectively. It was basically like I took to the notebook to figure out what I was running from. Ah, and and in this period of time, were you already busy in accounting or not yet? This was before I had gotten into accounting. So ah, okay. I was in the night audit realm of hotels, which is like you got one foot in customer service and then one foot in the actual accounting side where you're, you're finalizing the day, you're finalizing the credit cards. And then when I went to the Sheridan Hotel, that's when I made the jump from night audit to accounting because the income auditor was basically like the next position it would go. It would go night auditor here and then income auditor. And then they take that information and get it out to the managers via a flash report, kind of gives them an idea of like what their revenues look like. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get into accounting until I was fully and completely sober and didn't have that issue because I don't think I would have been able to get into that realm had I been in that in that state. But like like listening to your story in in um in the, in a way, let's say if you, if you look at your uh, your your professional career, you actually flowed into accounting. So you did it like you know you. Did, all right, I'm gonna just go do this, and then you're like, ah, oh, this looks like a good next step. Uh, this looks like mm -hmm. a good next step. So, yep. so that so while you were in college, that accounting was not the idea. No, it was it was like I was I was floating around in college, man. Like I had gone to OSU, Oregon State University, and I was there for a little while, and then I went to the Art Institute because I've got like I can draw. But mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, you know, what about drawing as a career? And then then I was like, oh, man, but then this is like corporate drawing. So then I'm like, but I'm like an artist, man. I, I, you know, so I had this like young dude's ideals. And I was like, no, I don't want to I don't want to do that. So then I go off to the Evergreen State College and I come back and I go to Portland State where I'm basically like at the end of my bachelor's. I got an arts and letters degree with a music focus, which it can't really do a lot. And so now even I'm back going to school for accounting because that's more specific. And it's actually helped me to get into other accounting positions yeah, yeah. by going back and doing that and, and uh, being able to learn more skills in accounting. But I mean, here now, like that's more of a specific degree than the actual arts and letters one was. Yeah, yeah. And then if you, uh, <clears throat> so now, so now you're in uh, in accounting and you're looking at numbers. If you would compare numbers to writing poetry, what are the what what are, what are the uh, okay. all of a sudden I can't come up on the word. Um, what are the likenesses? to both it would be like 
I would say numbers have to do with word count uh-huh. and syllables because, as you know, when you're doing 16 bars and you've got like a 4-4 time, yeah. you know, either you're doing like this or if you start like learning the chop method, you take that and you go like so there's math in how you spit it. Yeah. But in poetry, what I like about it is that you can kind of go off time. So it's like you can go like, man, I'm sitting here, but I'm talking about you could have that kind of linger. And then we're just kind of flowing it out. And then <laughs> like <laughs> So then we're gonna get into numbers and how that rhythmic pattern makes me start thinking about how I'm gonna spit from here to Saturn, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So then you start looking at math like, okay, how did how did that even come into play? Because I'm like, I'm spitting here like da 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 uh 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 get get uh 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 so it's like how do i want to move the audience and sometimes when you take those it's sometimes it's in the numbers that builds like how am i going to leave them off here how am i going to build build like how am i going to build to resolve the build to resolve the build high climax and then bring them back down again and i'm going to do that by building in a systematic way yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's a that's that, that's a a real logical way of looking at something creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a creative way of looking at something real logical. Yeah, and so it's it's hard to like. I would say that in to to answer the question, like the delivery is where the numbers are. Or sometimes you can even incorporate numbers into what you're feeling and how to even relate the feelings uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the times with flow therapy, it, it, it really is more about like, how am I going to like, what are the word choices or but at the same time, it's like, I've got these, I've got all these words, but which ones are going to like tell my story the best, which ones out of this list? are going to hit the hardest because when you get complicated with words, sometimes people get lost in the message. And then if you're like, okay, I've got this one, this one, this one, this one. All right, let's get that one out. And now I've got three. So if I tell a story around these three, boom, 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 then we've got the message that can get across the clearest, but it's in the simplest form. Ah. All right. Nice. Nice. And then we're, we're gonna we're gonna go take a couple of steps back so to that to let's say to that last tall boy you let in the closet there's actually a way of um let's let's call it the start of flow therapy so that's mm-hmm. uh let's say the 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 black swan as you would say that the <laughs> catalyst that uh yep. that 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 actually brought let's say the the rest of the ideas that you're working with now mm-hmm. if you uh if you if you look back to that to that tall boy do you then look back with regret or do you look back with that's that's the way it had to go 
honestly, I don't think there would have been flow therapy without that last tall boy. So the regret aspect was that I even had to go that route. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. again, I would, I wouldn't be talking to you. I don't think without that, that without that, my personality, which is largely an addictive one mm-hmm. went down that path. And then you had that last tall boy that I had power over. And although I regret that it had to get to that level, yeah, yeah. I think that's what created flow therapy. I don't again, I don't think it would have sparked all of this introspective stuff without getting to that level. Yeah, and if you um and if you uh, look at the flow therapy to so the 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 concept, the idea that you have behind of it how does it relate to yeah to let's say to accounting or the the challenges that you see during during your day job during doing accounting mm. i would almost say that uh sometimes with accounting it gets really repetitious like you know you're entering stuff and you're doing this and you're doing that but it's almost like you kind of tap out in the brain. It's like it turns off. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the flow or, you know, sometimes if I got a notebook around or if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing this stuff, like it's very rhythmic and patternistic and I'm starting to think of other where like, I'm starting to think of a flow mm-hmm. and I've got it kind of right there. So I would almost say it engages a creativity, engages another aspect of the brain that is right triggered while you're doing left triggered stuff. Sometimes if you're coming to a standstill, like on how to solve a problem, yeah, being able to engage the flow and to be able to kind of be like water and maybe, maybe think about it in a different way, go over to the right side. It can allow you to solve a problem and get around an obstacle rather than having it kind of stand right in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. And then, um, like uh, like you said, being being in accounting, being a numbers guy, sometimes you have to also be able to explain the numbers to someone who is not a numbers person. <laughs> How does um, your, your you getting in touch with both halves of your brain, how does that assist you in that aspect of your work? I would say that because for school, we've definitely had to do case studies. And I remember my teacher. So we were doing a case study about analyzing, um, what was it? Let's see. It was like asset to debt ratio Mm -hmm. or it was a quick ratio or it was a profitability ratio. And so what I did was instead of explain it in a way that's very mathematical, I would say that the flow and being able to, you know, because in flow therapy, you got to be able to kind of discuss these issues in a way that everybody can understand, relate them to things that they might have seen or heard. Mm-hmm. 
So then what I did in that assignment was to take those and kind of use a simpler language that everyone kind of knows and being able to describe these ratios like profitability is pretty much just like, you know, how, 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 how high above one is it going to get? Like if it's above, if it's above one then you got this and then you've got some despair, like you've got profit going on. It's like 1.5, then you have it. And then you have some profit going on. If you have, if it's below one, then you're starting to get into this, then it's not exactly profitable. And then, but you can explain it in a way that it's like, like if it's below, then you just have to work on getting it above one. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So then it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, well, it's not necessarily a mathematical approach. It doesn't necessarily involve like credits, debits, this, that accounts and everything like that. Cause you can really go into depth, but more, it's just like, let's simplify it down and just get it to where it's the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. And then, um, I'm going to go way back again, go back to, uh, when you, uh, got, let's say got into, uh, the rap hip hop side of life how um how did you experience the culture what did you find of the culture let's see i guess i just found that being able to storytell even in the hardest situations you know like some of these things that me as a person who's never experienced any of this Like I can listen to these stories and they put me right there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the culture was to me like, it's a different, you know, the stories you hear are not like the stories that I had heard and, um, you know, that I had even seen. So it gave me a look into a different kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. But to be able to explain that life, into where the everybody can understand what you're going through to me was like wow like here is a culture and here is a, a brand of music that maybe it's angry maybe it's maybe it's it's speaking for the people maybe it's but it's it's true and i guess the 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 biggest one that drew me to hip hop was that it was raw and it was real like real was where I started like, it's like, dude, I, I want that yeah, yeah. more than rock, more than more than what I had heard. It was just real, you know, because like rock is instrumentation. Rock is, you know, and they're going to tell stories. But here it's gritty, you know, especially if you start getting into like Wu-Tang, like everything about Wu-Tang is gritty. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're just like you're getting thrown into these stories and, and all of the storytelling is just like. It's just, you know, for someone who just absorbs the word aspect, here was, here was a way that you can tell that story and still get across that message while just writing the beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, like, like you said, you were um, coming from a, a, a different background. How, what, what, did it, what did the music do for your perspective on life? I would say it just it 
it brought a new awareness. Like it, it made me realize that there's more to just than what I had lived. I mean, like I'm probably a key example of just white privilege and that I'm listening to, to these stories and I'm, and I'm hearing things that like, it just was, it wasn't what I had heard before, but there was an element to me where like, you still have to know about it yeah, and you yeah. still have to be aware of it. And then it starts just kind of like, you kind of almost get, you kind of get in like that hip hop brain to where sometimes maybe, maybe you have an aspect of like, <laughs> maybe I'm in the office, which is like, there's no, like you, you can't, I, no one thinks of like hip hop in the office, but then sometimes you're like, okay, now I've got kind of like this hip hop brain. How can I solve this problem? But still like, it, it, it's like, it changes you. It just, it adds this new facet to how you think. Yeah, yeah. And and um, can you um, give an example of what it added to your thinking process? Let's say in um, uh, in the accounting side. Well, sometimes I go around the office. Just I call people G. I'll be like, "What's up, G?" Um, I guess it's not like for me, it's, it's, it's being able to, to kind of have confidence in who you are, like, mm -hmm. or confidence in your process. Like if you, as, as somebody who's infused hip hop in their life, like you, you kind of just, you, you gain a, a flow. And you gain an appreciation of just maybe it's, I don't even know sometimes how to describe how it is, but for the normal person who hasn't done it, it's just like, it's, it's a way to just do it, do it and then just get it done because a lot of hip hop to me is just getting it done and you just because that's what I that's what I heard a lot it's like it, it's not necessarily that that they couldn't or even if things were in their way they still found a way to get it done it was like you can do it no matter what like even if you have a problem all you got to do is sidestep it find a new way or just continue to grind on through it yeah nice nice and um doing uh let, let's say uh in your career you've also uh performed for people <coughs> when mm -hmm. when was your first performance let's say and it doesn't per se have to be rap performance your per first performance in life <sighs> let's see when was it It was, so I was back, I had come back from the Evergreen State College and, you know, with, with me and the homies rapping as the Nightwalkers, like we didn't, we didn't have shows. We just made track after track after track. So we didn't get a lot of 
chance to perform in front of people. But then I started working with a new producer. And then I remember, like, and this was back in my drinking days, man. But I got up and I did this song. And I remember I had gotten done with it. And I was so worried about hitting my lines, man. And we had rehearsed. And it was it was a decent rehearsal. But, you know, you get up there, nerves just raw. But then there's a point where you kind of just let it fly and you just you get you get into it. You get over the nerves and you just let it fly. And I remember one guy sat down and he was like, yeah, man, that was really good. Like, you know, I, f- I felt like I had heard that song before. I'm like, no, nah, that, w- that was an original one. That was all mine. And then that was like. It was all it was it was different. He's like, oh, wow, you wrote that. And it was like, yeah. So. It was nerve wracking. I mean, I, any performance is nerve wracking, but even that one being the first one, really nerve wracking. But at the same time, it's like that elation you feel afterwards. And um, those that that nerve wracking experience or the experience of uh, performing, how does yeah. how how does that or did that experience help you or is helping you? currently in your your life at the office i would say any any time that there's a performance like you kind of take that and you can to me like a performance is the scariest thing you know people have said i would rather die than public speak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so you kind of take that And even if now, like in in the accounting department, if there's somebody who needs to to public speak, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Devin can do it. He actually likes to do it. So there's that element. But then there's also a way to express yourself, like even in just meetings, mm-hmm. just different way, like because that was the scariest thing. It's like everything else under that performance is not as scary. And yeah. so then it's like, okay, I can do this. It kind of like it, it it ups your confidence to be able to do it. Yeah. Because you've done that, which is like the most vulnerable thing. You're up on stage, man. If you if you miss a word or a line, you got to keep rolling with it and you're totally exposed. And I don't think any time other than that stage time is when you get that exposed. And so everything else is like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, keeping it on the, on the exposed tip. So then we're gonna, we're gonna go back to, let's say the, the, the moment you had to, uh, you know, ad- admit more, admit to your to your mom your stepdad or probably more admit to yourself of hey this this drinking thing is kind of getting out of hand right how uh, how did that feel compared to your first performance is it is it even comparable i would say that it kind of is in a way because 
that kind of anxiety and nervousness. You know, it's like when you get called out, it, it you know, it blows a hole in your soul and you're just kind of left feeling like the wind is just blowing through you. And so there's a, there's a similarity to when after you get done with a performance or when you're up there, it's almost like it's just, it's, it's that kind of vulnerability, but it's that vulnerability almost harnessed like here, I'm going to express myself. And so to go through that and to have that, it's like, now this is almost like a superpower. It's, it's not like vulnerability now is not something that's bad. It's like, I can use it to push me forward or I can use it to really write and tap into what I'm scared of. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, and, um, if you, if you, uh, say look back at your your time um in in recovery did you um did you really go to like rehab or did you just basically just i wrote rehab yourself are you only just wrote wrote it out i wrote like it's kind of like uh when i heard hamilton the musical like several artists came out with their own rendition of i wrote my way out of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's like I wrote my way out of it and I did it without a group. I did it without, like I did it with the pen. Like I wrote my way out the bottom of a fifth. I wrote my way out of a bottle. I wrote my way out because like I had already amounted to shit. So then I had to wrote my way. I wrote my way out and I had to change my plan because I had already gone through the whole damn alphabet. Like, that's where you start to get that those words and you just start to like really even if they hurt like this that vulnerability of being on stage is that soul hole and it's like it like you hit that word and you're like whoa but then instead of being like oh i have to run away from it like now i'm going to use it now i got to be able to tell about it because this is really what's deep down yeah yeah Ah, and if you um, look look back at, uh, at at that time, what would be the let's say the three words that you would say like those are the words I needed I needed to hit to to propel myself forward. Um, you know, in even now, it's still like a word like self trust. Mm -hmm. It's a It's a word like run. It's a word like, or it's a phrase like, who am I? Like those kind of three things were really, because I kind of knew who I was, but I was running away from something. Demons would be another word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But not demons in a sense of like, I got to run away from the demons. Because you can't run away from something that stays one step ahead of you. You know what I'm saying? Rather, it's like, how can I befriend these demons? Have them literally sit on my shoulder so that we can carry forward through life. And they're not, they're not an element that's going to hold me back. But more it's like, okay, I understand them now. And I understand what they are and that they're a part of me. Yeah, nice, nice. And then, um, 
So you're going through that whole process by, let's say, b basically by yourself. You're doing you're doing it yourself. You know, you're 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 laying the groundwork for flow therapy without even knowing that you're laying the groundwork for flow therapy. You know how um, look, looking back, how do how do you help others utilize this this flow therapy? How how do you get it started? So it's kind of like what you did with me. You kind of take the three words. What's the three words that are bothering you the most? Uh -huh. You know, is it like, is it money? Is it relationship? Is it job? Is it health? Is it uh, potential? And then you just kind of unpack these words. If it's potential, what about potential? Is it that you're not living up to it? Are you under it? Are you like... Is there something that you want to be, but you don't feel like you're enabling yourself? And then you kind of kind of unpack that, like enable. What does that mean? How yeah. do you? So from each word comes more words and you're kind of all you're doing is getting this list of words that goes from the top of this layer cake of stress down to the bottom. Until you get to where, wow, that's the real issue. Yeah. Ah, nice. Nice. Is it? Um... I kind of um, like I kind of compare it to to what I do. I call them uh, I call them power words. You know what is mm. what, is, what is your power word? And in the way, let's say it's almost uh, the opposite of what. So you go deeper down in the layer of of pain, but right. I try to go deeper down into the layer of power. You know, like okay. Um, so like okay this 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 someone could say uh, this word describes you and then you go deeper into that word so i so with that i can actually understand what you do with flow therapy and where you still use yeah. still use the rhythm and the flow i actually use colors to go deeper wow. into that that's actually cool so let me ask like how does colors like how does, I guess what what does that represent, and how does that get them to to discover power? So, so um, my um, what what I do is I I take all the elements of hip hop. So I take uh, the, the rhyme, let's say the 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 MC. I take uh, the graffiti, and graffiti is is basically colors. You when you look at a color, consciously or subconsciously you associate something with it a feeling ah. or or if, if you ask someone what's your favorite color they'll uh, i'll give you an example Devin, what's your favorite color green green all right now if you uh how come green is your favorite color i think it has to do with probably heritage because i'm half irish uh-huh but there's something about green as in like earth, uh, like bright, um, like grounding, I would say. All right. And what's the, what is the feeling the color green gives you? When you look, what, what kind of feeling did you get from it? Like a sturdy, like it's almost like a, like it's a, and I would, I could also say growth, 
like it, it's a it's like a fertile color like it, it can it means it, it can be here mm-hmm. but then it's got room it's like there's room to grow but it's also safe like in that you can be safe in this growth yeah okay so now i imagine I, I now specifically went into the color with you immediately. But if I would ask you to, like, one of those words that you said earlier, to draw it and give it a color, you, you're you going to start coloring in it with, that's that's all subconscious. The color you choose, it's all subconscious. It could be, uh, let's say, um, one of the, one of them, you might color it black because it's, it's, it's so dark. But, when you're coloring it you're not thinking on yeah i'm gonna color it black because this is this is a this is a real dark word no you're just coloring it and then afterwards if someone asks you but how come you chose those colors and then you go deeper into the layers of colors you also go into deeper into the layers of the word man that's crazy so it's just wow. like this is like you said, yeah, my favorite color is green. And then I ask you, well, how come? Then you know it's it starts to work out all right. Yeah, no, it's this and this and this and this. What is the feeling you get from green? Yeah, it's kind of this and this and this and this. And you're like, ah. And then I can even take your feeling of green and throw it right back at you. So you were looking at at growth, at the sturdiness, and it's actually within flow therapy. What you did is you were looking at growing beyond what caused you to fall in to the addiction. Yeah. And from there, everything in your life is about growth. Dang, man. That's so crazy, man. So, so it's like so crazy. It's, it's like the the color you choose. You're like, I, I, I like green. Yeah, but there's, behind of it, there's actually more. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just like flow therapy, you do it with words, let's say, and you actually leave them actually also say what it is. You know, they they have to go deeper and you pinpoint, you know, what, what is, what is, yeah, what, what, what is it that's really bothering them? You know, what, what is it that they need to get over? Right. Yeah, or it's even like sometimes you just write pieces that resonate with you and then if somebody's going through that, like it resonates with them, you know, and you're like, wow, I'm right there. And yeah, or it it is like, okay, let's let's do the words or, you know, it, it can take on different forms, but it's 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 crazy. Now that you mentioned color, it's just another facet of like the power of, of words and and what they are like how they're embedded in different stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's so crazy, man. Yeah. And then you you also said you you also did some producing. Yeah, so I was making uh beats largely uh for my buddy Nate, like anybody back in in Portland who kind of needed 
like let's say they wanted to take a sample of like I remember one dude asked me for a sample of Love and Happiness by Al Green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would chop that up in a beat and I would send it to him. And even peeps in at the school who uh, needed music, like I would, I would basically work with them and then get a sound like either they come to where my station was at and we can start working from there or um you know i already had something on file like something ready to go but it was more of like on the on the production end because i wanted to use what we had been learning like stuff with like uh tape delay like what what does that mean like when i put that on an instrument mm-hmm. how, how did that work like I'd be working on a beat and then I'd be like, okay, so we learned about delay there. What in my program, I wonder where that is. Like, what does that do to that? Like if we, we talk about like, there was a version of compression where you kind of like, you really smashed down. Like you can put, I don't know if it was two compressors, but you smash or it was like two of the same like kick drum. Mm-hmm. You'd smash one and it would give it one kind of sound and then you would you would not compress it so much. So then you have this element of like the same kick compressed and smashed to get like a really like juicy thump mm-hmm. and then the other end of it to where you get like this just <clears throat> part of it. And so I would start using that in the production end and uh it was pretty cool to actually start applying that stuff to the music aspect and if you yeah if you take the beat making process and compare it to the accounting process what are the similarities there it's all math man you know like if it's if it's like And then you're sitting here like rhythmically, let's say you're just, I'm inputting invoices. I beatbox sometimes while I put invoices in. So I'm just sitting there, you know, so it's, it's a flow, but you know, it's flow and counting like, well, you know, so you got like, okay, so we're going to do a measure in four, four, we're going to do measure, measure, measure. And then right as we're going to get like to the fifth one at the end of the fourth measure, we're going to do some kind of drum breakdown, like, like, and then we're going to drop into that. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's counting even in accounting, like you're still, okay, so I'm getting to the end of this batch of invoices. And so we're going to wrap that up. And then we're going to start going into this other aspect. So then you kind of start figuring out like, okay, what goes first? Like maybe in beat making, you start layering up the kicks. Boom, boom, boom. And then you go like, okay, boom, boom. Like what's most important? And then you start kind of creating this whole thing by layer by layer. You can kind of do that in workflow as well. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. And if you um 
looking at looking at um, let's say the accounting um, your accounting colleagues are they really all logical or do they also have let's say a combination of logic and creativity most of them are just left brained like my accounting manager that I literally sit right next to like I'll talk about spoken word poetry like music but she was like well I've never done anything like that like I'm not creative to save my life and I'm like wow and I realized that most of them aren't and I'm like whoa I mean I just I keep wondering like what if that was enacted like how different would you look at what you're doing yeah yeah like maybe it would be different maybe in certain things where like you're getting kind of caught up because you're largely in the left what if you could kind of spin it tilt it and then you go oh wait what if i did it that way or like what if what if i didn't do it this way instead i could go boom 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 come back because i'm not really i don't know there's something where like if you're getting that pause in the brain sometimes just going to do something else circle back around proves to be more beneficial but if you're really a chronological person sometimes you get caught up on the fact well i can't go because this is not the right step it's like sometimes you got to creatively work around that you know yeah 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 and <clears throat> let's say being a uh, being a guy who's in uh, who's in accounting and being on linkedin actually you know you probably were on linkedin first as an accountant before you know as i met you in let's say flow therapy how did you um, how did how did that transition go from let's say the the real professional linkedin profile as in i'm this accounting guy right to this is this is the complete devin so accounting and flow therapy it's i think it started as like because i had a bunch of endorsements for like audio mm -hmm, i put mm -hmm. that down as skills from what i had learned so i already had that but then i'm like okay now i need to add this accounting side so then there is that aspect but then you start doing these videos where it's like i can't I can't have one profile for one, one profile for the other. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't want to do that. So I'm like, there's got to be a way to fuse both. And so I was like, okay, so I'll have the job description as accounting. And even if like, even I even get pings where it's like, okay, we found accounts payable. We found like, you got these skills. So there's, there's a, there's a presence of the accounting, but then there's also the presence of, Like, oh, he's got these videos. He's posting about this that's not necessarily accounting, but it still relates to the cognitive side of even, like, work-life balance, like, yeah, handling yeah. problems, like, being able to do all of that. Yeah. And then um, you having, a, let's say, a balance in your left and right brain, how does your creative your creative brain and your logic brain logical brain help you in maintaining 
your work-life balance? Sometimes it's a it's a battle because sometimes what the heart wants is is resonating largely out of the the right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Then what is logical and what's what stepwise you need to do comes out of the left, and so sometimes they both kind of fight each other. Like right now, I'm probably at a point where. Like there, there will be, like, I want more in the left. Like I want to do more in accounting. And so I'm starting to look, but then the right brain is like, how resonant is it? And that maybe, is there a way to fuse the left and the right to create like this, like to where they're not necessarily separated, but you can do both because I believe like both are inherent in now who I am. Yeah. But there's got to be a way like so they can battle, but then sometimes when you when you can get them back equal and you can get them kind of on the same plane, then you can start pushing them going up. And I think that's kind of where I'm like where I'm not trying to deny the left. The left is not trying to deny the right. The right is not, not trying to deny the left. Now they can kind of start to work together to be like, all right, let's find a way that we can do them both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, and if you would, um, if there's one lesson that you would give to the listeners out there, what is that lesson? The most resonant one, even as of late, follow your gut. Even if the left side says, well, this, this, this is, this is what you should do. Like I was just talking to my mom this weekend. She came up with a great line and she says, stop shooting all over yourself. And when people hear that, they go, wait, what? What'd you just say to me? Because it sounds like, it sounds like stop shitting all over yourself. Yeah. But Stop shooting all over yourself. So sometimes the left brain wants you to should. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. But then your right brain is going with the heart. And it's like, well, but that doesn't really resonate. So in between, there's kind of like the gut where it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you this tension when it's not right. And it's going to release when it is right. I would say really focus on. Like when you're going down paths, whatever it is, listen to that gut because that's your gut is with you. You're the only one who has that gut. Yeah, yeah. And that that gut reaction is going to either make or break whether you're going to smile or whether you're going to be sitting here like, uh, like have this face. Uh, I don't know about this. And so I say, trust the gut. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I was first. I was planning on 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 exiting on that note, but then I thought of something, and I was like, actually, Devin is the guy to do it. So let's say you 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 battled your your alcohol addiction in the past. For those people listening that might be battling addiction. What is the 
tip that you would give them? I would say, like, for me, it was like when I was in this ethereal mode, when I had just enough to drink and before I was completely like slaughterhouse drunk, that I felt nothing. I would say, get to the bottom of why you want to feel nothing. Yeah. And instead of trying to run away from it, dive into it. Like, first you can go, you know, your feet in, into the water, then you get deeper, you got legs in, and then you're getting like waist deep. And then after a while, you can start to go down 60 feet. You can even go down 120 feet. You can still come back up. But at the same time, like, just know that it takes time. And if you can't get there right away, that's fine. It's all a process. But that reason why you drink to get to that level is the exact reason, like, that's what's eating you really on the inside. And so if you can find that, even without the bottle, then you don't need it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Devin, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Where, what, 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 which platforms are you findable on? So I'm available on all platforms. LinkedIn is where you're going to see the most, like, that's where you're going to see a lot of the flow therapy, like a lot of stuff that, like, that community, that platform has really created an inviting, engaging community for me. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are on LinkedIn, you can look up Devin James Stinson in Portland, Oregon. Um, so that's the best one. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, you can look up Devin James or you can go to Facebook.com backslash Devin James 96. Twitter. You go to twitter.com backslash Devin James 96 on Instagram. You can also go there. You go instagram.com backslash Devin Gatsby James. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll be putting all the links in the show notes so that, uh, you know, people can find you. They can reach out to you. You know, they can connect with you. I mean, you're, a, you're an awesome guy to connect with. So I would, definitely tell people to connect with you you know you you share your stories your insights so that's uh that, that's awesome so, and i would like love to thank you for you know taking the time out and being on the show hey man it was really cool man i i thank you for reaching out and inviting me to come and talk to you man this was this is a really cool experience man like i think you got a really th- good thing going here thanks it's really vibe Thanks, thanks. Thank you very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I said before, you know, reach out to Devin and um, most likely catch you guys on the next episode. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hip Hop Minded Professional. 
make sure to subscribe at your favorite streaming platform so that you don't miss the next episode. And make sure to visit hiphopculturecoaching.com for more information on how hip-hop helps your mindset.